This season, this time of year that we always celebrate is really focused upon things like generosity, laughter, happiness, joy, family, uh, friends, those types of things, celebration. This is a season where we have a time like no other time in the year where we as Christians can share our faith openly. You can walk into the mall and hear Christmas music. Uh, You turn on the radio at about any radio station, you hear Christmas music of some form, but even traditional hymns are going to be played at times. However, the joy that we experience through this time period should not be an empty joy. We shouldn't let ourselves become manipulated by lights and trees and and things of this nature. Even though none of it's inherently evil, it's not bad, uh, it should not be the source of our joy. The source of our joy should be deeper than this, and it should be wrapped up in our Savior, Jesus Christ. It must be. It must be wrapped up in Jesus if we are believers. So this morning, I want to talk to you a little bit about this. I uh, Probably a month ago, a little over a month ago, when I was at convention with our, our, our teens, I'm sitting up in the balcony, and the, and the speaker was speaking, and, and uh, I was kind of like all of you, that when he starts talking, you kind of zone out. You know what I'm talking about? I'm just kidding. Sometimes, sometimes somebody will say a word, and it'll quicken my heart, and the Holy Spirit just began to speak to me about some other things, and it's weird how I can still listen and type notes on my phone. Uh, my wife sitting next to me like, what are you doing? Are you texting? She's learned to quit asking that because I'm not. I'm just putting notes down. Uh, so I was, I was sending myself some notes and things, and uh, the Lord uh, began to speak to me in light of Christmas. He pointed me toward a psalm. Uh, that isn't necessarily centered around Christmas, but I think you're going to get my point here this morning, directed me toward this psalm. If you read it with me in Psalm 100, beginning verse 1, Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving in His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and praise His name. For the Lord is good and His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. This morning I kind of want to break down this passage with us uh, for a reason this morning just to kind of grab a hold of what the Spirit was speaking to me that night. Uh, But verse 1 says, "Shout Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Who? All of the earth. Put it in a percentage again for me. I've been doing that a lot recently, haven't I? What is a percentage of all? 75%, 80 100% all. That means everybody, everything, every part of creation. That doesn't just say just Christians. It doesn't just say saved people. It doesn't just say those churchgoers. Everybody, everybody, 100%. The psalmist had figured out and tapped into the truth that God is a God that is worthy of praise from His creation. And he's saying, everybody, everybody. Now, all of us, as we look at this, we see the word joy. Shout for joy. Everybody say joy. Joy. Give me a shout for joy. One, two, three. You did better than the first service on your first try. Let's try it again. One, two, three. That's better. That sounds better. I feel like a cheerleader again. Joy. We're supposed to shout for joy. Now, 
as we go into the Christmas season, joy is a word that's synonymous with Christmas. It's one of these things that when people think of Christmas, they think of Christmas joy. As a Christian, when we go into the Christmas season, we should have joy, but the joy should be the fact that we are remembering that Jesus Christ became incarnate into flesh so that He could become a sacrifice for our sins. We have a joy because we know that He is Emmanuel, God with us. We know that we have access right now to the Creator of the universe. There's a joy inside of us. But however, there are other people in the world and the other people in the world that maybe just celebrate Christmas who aren't really offended by things and by us or anything else, maybe aren't necessarily believers and don't have a joy for, uh, for Christ, they will still say this, Merry Christmas. They will use the term Merry Christmas. Again, Merry connected with joy. And then you even have the people who don't like Christmas because it has Christ in it. Well. You can't even say Christmas because it has Christ in it. Merry Christmas, is that what I'm supposed to say? Well, it is about Him. But even these people, they won't say Merry Christmas, they'll say Happy Holidays. It still has a a happy. It's still joyful. So why is it joyful? The truth of the matter is, folks, is that it's joyful because we are God's creation and we should, we should be joyful in shouting and singing to Him praise because He is our Creator, number one. Those of us that are saved really got something to shout about. Amen. And those that aren't saved really need to get saved. They can shout to Him too, and He'll hear them. Amen. All of us, all of creation should shout for joy. The entire earth, all of creation. This joy, so this, this, this thing that I'm talking about, is no secret this time of year. Joy is not a secret this time of the year. And while it may not be the right time that Jesus would have truly been born, the very thought and mention of it and what it means for the Son of God's birth seems to evoke an expectation of joy, of rejoicing, of thanks and gratefulness. Our joy should be expressive. Our joy should be expressive and loud. And what he's saying is, is shout! When we shout, you have to realize that back in the psalmist day, they didn't have cell phones. All right, they didn't have social media. Uh, they didn't have even landlines, folks. They didn't even have that. All right, Land- some people go landlines. What's that? They didn't even have rotary phones back then. So the quickest and clearest form of communication was to shout. Now, back in my day, when I was just a little whippersnapper. That was the form of communication that I used. I would go out into the yard and I had a neighbor that lived across the pasture from me. His name was Nick and we would do a lot of stuff together. And I remember going outside on a summer day and looking over and seeing him come out the door. And how did we communicate? Hey! What are you doing today? I don't know. What are you doing today? Want to come over? Want to ride bikes? No! We rode bikes yesterday. You want to come to my house? Sure! I'll ask mom. Now some of you say, Pastor Bob, you had a phone. You even had a rotary phone landline back then. And it was just off party line, I might add. 
Some of you don't know what party line is, but that was when you pick it up and somebody said, would you get off the phone? (laughs) So we're yelling across the pasture, and here's the thing. Everybody in the county knew we were planning something. You say, Pastor, why didn't you just call them? I had four sisters. We had a phone, but we didn't have a phone. You know what I'm talking about? So I'm standing there yelling back and forth across the pasture. And, and here's what I know for sure. <laughs> Anybody near us <clears throat> knew we were planning something. My grandparents who lived across the road probably were sitting on the porch. Even if they were in their house, knew we were planning something. If my parents were home, I guarantee you they knew we were planning something. Roy and Marjorie Ricketts down the road probably knew we were planning something. Even his mom and dad, if they were home that day, knew that we were planning something. Why? Because we were shouting about it. It was the quickest form of communication. You didn't have to dial, you just had to scream. We used to go back in the woods. That was where we'd play. We'd go back in the woods and play, and, and we'd get back in the, the creek and, and try to grab crawdads and eat them and, and, and minnows and, and snakes, and we would try to catch stuff and and then dare each other to eat it. That's what we did. Sometimes we would slide down hills that were muddy and get stuck in the creek at the bottom and see how deep we could get our legs stuck. But, but this is what we did. Well, eventually, as the evening's coming around, you hear this faint little, Bobby, Bobby. The quickest and easiest form of communication, which was either my mom screaming from the house or my sister's screaming from the house because mom didn't like to do it, or the car horn would get honked. Honk, 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 which is Morris code, come home and eat. All they had to do was walk across the road to my grandparents' house, and there was a bell on a pole in the backyard, and if they would have just went, tong, dong, 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 I knew what that meant. Because that's how they used to call everybody in from the field to come and eat at Grandma's. And Grandma had gravy with every meal. Every meal. So shouting was the earliest form of communication. And, it, I mean, as far as, I guess you could say, long-distance communication, it was the first form of social media. You, you screamed something, you posted it on your wall. You know what I'm saying? Everybody knew what was going on. So the whole purpose of this expression is that it should be loud. Shout for joy. The Message Bible says, on your feet now, applaud God. In other words, telling us that we should live our lives externally and vocally and verbally with joy and shouting praise to God. That's our lives. Now, I'm not telling you to walk up to people and scream in their face and freak them out, okay? What I'm telling you to do is live external with your joy. Let people see the joy. In 1 Peter, it says that we should always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. That's what we're supposed to do. But I can tell you this. Nobody asks you about your hope or the source of your hope if they don't see it in your life. So you need to shout for joy. How do I shout for joy? How do I shout for joy unto the Lord? I live my life in faith and in joy in such a way that people say, what's up with that guy? So that when they ask you, what's up with that guy? Then you can give them an answer for your hope in Jesus Christ. Amen? So this this Christmas season, don't be obnoxious. Can I get an amen for that one? 
Don't be antagonistic and angry and gloomy guts. Everything's so commercialized. (laughs) I just kind of sounded like one of the toys off Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer where they're in the land of, we're in the land of misfit toys. That's how they sounded. Nobody wants to play with a Charlie in the box. Don't get so mad about everything. Listen, yes, it's commercialized. We live in a fallen world. But with the commercialization, you have an opportunity. Don't walk around with your head down sad-faced. Some joy about your life. Let them see something out loud and external that they know that there's something about you that they want to find out what's going on. Verse 2, worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. Hmm. When we come to God, we should come with a glad heart and joyful expression. Not just Christmas, but every single day. Do you know that God, our Father, likes for us to be joyful when we come to Him? He doesn't want us to come to Him and say, Hello, Father. How are you? Be near me, Lord Jesus. Look down from... That's not what He wants. He wants us to worship Him with some gladness and with some joy. April and I, Wednesday night, were, uh, we, I, I like to go get shrimp baskets before church. Sometimes I get a shrimp basket, sometimes I don't. But I was getting a shrimp basket. Somebody that I know that I went to school with, they had a, they had a booth kind of over here at an angle from me, but there were so many adults they couldn't fit all the kids. And the kids said, we, we, we want to sit in a booth. And I said, you guys can have the booth. So they sat in the booth right next to me, a bunch of little kids. And they giggled and talked and laughed and got in so much trouble the mom would stand up and go. And I was like, wow. I told her later, I said, that was just pure evil in your face. I have never seen this woman look that mean, We went to high school, graduated together and everything. I've never seen you look that mean. She's like, oh, you've seen nothing yet. Well, these kids, all they did was just sit there and giggle and talk and laugh and spill the salt. and <laughs> I can tell you this. Some people say, well, that's giggly little kids. I would much rather sit next to a table of giggly little kids than I would a bunch of spoiled, rotten, snot-nosed brats that are screaming and fighting over everything. I know this as a parent, as a father. I remember uh, when the kids were little and coming home from a long day of work, especially in the summertime when they've been at home all day with mom. Something about being at home all day with mom makes them really excited when dad gets home. I don't know what that is. But when I come in, it's because she trained him to do it. That's why. I'm just teasing. I come in the door, and, 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 and Alyssa's like, Dad's home! And she'd run up and give me a hug, and Kev too, and it was always exciting. Listen, I would take a hundred times over. I, I don't mind noise in my house as long as it's laughing and giggling. Right? I don't mind coming in the door to laughing and giggling and squealing. When you come in the door, and it's just a little, little carpet, carpet crawling thing coming at you with a wide open grin crawling as fast as she can to get to I can handle some joy, amen? As a father, as a parent, walking into a room with some joy, that's a wonderful problem. But when they, you come into an un, inconsolable mess of... Have you seen the Jimmy John's commercial where the guy walks in the door and the whole house is a mess and the mom's tied up and the kids are screaming and running? Nobody wants to walk into that. Nobody. Our Father God is the same way. He wants us to walk into His presence with joy. He's the same way. Do you know where He lives? 
Do you know where his throne is? Let's throw up Hebrews chapter 12 here. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. Everybody say joyful. Joyful. Next verse. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousand times ten thousands. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they sang, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. This is where God's throne is. There's a lot of singing. There's a lot of rejoicing. There's a lot of joy. I just did uh, Sue Bonesteel's funeral. Uh, has it been a week ago now? A little over a week ago now? Where we talked about this. She has entered into this chorus. This is God. This is what God wants us to do. He doesn't want us to come to church and go... He wants us to sing, man. Take the shackles off my feet so I can dance. I just want to praise. What you going to do? I just want to praise. Like Broke that. the chains now. I can't lift my hands. Woo! I just want to praise him. Right? Yeah. Come on now, somebody. You got to praise him. And there's got to be some joy. I'll never forget the greatest thing ever. I'm way off my notes. Fine arts. Two, like probably 2004, 2005. Uh, that song when it came out by Mary Mary, which I know Mandisa has redone it. Um, it was a pretty hip-hop Christian happening song. And uh, this group of kids, it's like four kids as white as white as they could possibly be, getting up there singing this song during fine arts. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, thank you, Larry. <laughs> Take the shackles off my feet so I can dance. I just want to praise him. I just want to praise him. Greatest thing ever. But anyway, we should be joyful in the presence of God. Amen? There should be some joy. Our Father doesn't want us to come to Him somber and sad and beat down unless you need encouragement. There's times for encouragement. But folks, listen, we serve the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and He says, it's okay to have some joy about you. Be joyful. Christmas is a time where there's, there's much gladness, with much joyful singing. And folks, the fact that God wants anything to do with us should drive us to be joyful. The fact that God even cares for us at all and hasn't squished us like a bunch of bugs ought to give us a little bit of joy in our lives because really we deserve to be squished. Not squished, squished. We believe, you know, we, we do. Instead of squishiness, he said he decided to collect us. And not with the needles through us. He wants to keep us anyway. It's okay to celebrate Jesus. It's okay to be happy in the Lord. Verse 3. Know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. So the psalmist begins to understand and, and get clear to us that There is a joy for us to have because we belong to Him. We are created. At the very minimum, you are made by Him. Even if you aren't serving Him, even if you haven't surrendered your life to Him, you were made by Him. And He loves you. His thumbprints are all over you, child of God. 
He has fashioned you after Himself, and He loves you. The Father, was, it, was, it was difficult for us to understand and to see the Father. It was difficult for us to look in and to see the Father. We didn't understand Him. But it was Jesus that came in flesh and took on flesh so that we could see the Father's heart and know Him. You see, His body was what was given at this time. Jesus always has been. He wasn't created at Christmas. People think Jesus was born and created at Christmas. He was not created at Christmas. He always has been and He, he, he always will be. He's the one who is, who was, the, the one who was, is, and is to come. Amen. He always will be. He is the Creator. John chapter 1 makes clear that by Him everything was created and without Him nothing was created. Amen. He is the Creator. He always has been. So this is just His incarnation. This is God taking on human flesh for the sake of revealing to us the Father, who the Father is. And to show us that we belong to Him. He became flesh. That's what Isaiah talked about in 7.14. Therefore, the Lord Himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call Him Emmanuel, which we know means God with us. Isaiah 9.6, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on His shoulders, and He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Grasp this thing. The incarnation, 100% God, 100% man. Why did God do this? Because we couldn't get past His glory to find out who He was. So Jesus set aside glory and came in the form of a man to show us who the Father was. What, am I, what do I mean? I'll give you an exa- some examples. Moses, well, they were out in the wilderness and, and God comes down on Mount Sinai and He begins to show them and reveal to them Himself and He begins to speak verbally a voice that all the children of Israel heard but they were so afraid of his glory. They said, no, 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 don't talk to us, talk to Moses. And Moses goes, huh? Don't, don't talk to us unless we die. We're going to die, you talk to us. It's too great. You're too great for us. We can't handle you. Go talk to Moses. Moses, the same glory that scared them, Moses got to sit in the presence of. And then Moses asked for more. He knew that wasn't all there was to God. He said, show me your glory. He's like sitting in the mount of, top of a mountain that's burning with the presence of God. And he says, show me your glory. It's the same glory that, that the disciples, uh, when they were standing on the Mount of Transfiguration, and they saw Jesus transfigured in front of them in glowing white. They weren't afraid of Jesus, but when they heard the voice of God, as that same glory that put fear in them, and they hit the ground, and they were afraid, but they didn't wake up uh, unafraid until Jesus was there with them, talking with them. It's the same glory that knocked... Uh, Saul, who became Paul off his horse, and saw Jesus' presence and caused him to go blind. We couldn't, he can't get past the glory. John, as he was getting uh, the revelation of the book of Revelation that we know now, sees a glorified Jesus Christ, sees him as the Father, is afraid and falls down as a dead man, but he's not allowed to get back up until Jesus touches him and says, it's okay, it's just me. What's the correlation here? The correlation here is, is that Moses was hidden in a rock. He's hidden in Jesus. We know this. I know I'm just touching on things really quick. He put Moses in a rock. He said, I'll hide you in the cleft of the rock. We know that Jesus is the rock. That was the protection. This, this glory that if Moses would have looked upon it would have killed him. But in Jesus, he was safe. Amen? And so now we start looking at all these things and the, and the representation of what took place. The disciples who were not afraid, just as Moses wasn't afraid in the rock, the disciples weren't afraid when Jesus was present. John wasn't afraid when Jesus touched him and told him who he was. Why? Because he came in human form to show us that we are his creation and that he loves us and to hear and see the heart of the Father 
who loves us. Why do we celebrate Christmas? We celebrate Christmas because we needed somebody to show us the heart of the Father that loved us. And Jesus Christ was the only way. The only way. An example, kind of a little uh, parable that's one of my favorites to tell at Christmas. Uh, I know I've told it before, but bear with me. Um, A husband and wife that were in a home, and the wife was getting ready to leave to go to a Christmas service, Christmas Eve service, and the husband said, I'm not going tonight. Uh, I, don't, I don't feel like going. And she said, why not? He said, you know, I don't really believe that nonsense. He said, that's all uh, women and children's things. It's, it's not really me. It doesn't make sense. Don't understand why somebody else would have to come and, and, and why God would have to take on flesh and die for my sins and all this other nonsense. You go do your religious thing. I'm going to sit at home and do mine. So she leaves. She says a prayer for him and her heart goes to the Christmas Eve services. And she says, Lord, reveal yourself to my husband tonight. And as he's in the chair, sitting by the fire, reading a book, he hears uh, the wind pick up, and he looks out the window and sees that a storm has blown up, and there's, there's snowflakes blowing everywhere, and it was getting hard to see, and he was a little concerned, and he sat back down, and he heard another thud as he stoked the fire, and heard another thud, and another thud, and an occasional thud here or there, and he's going, what in the world is going on? And he gets up, and he looks out the window, and he sees that a flock of geese had gotten caught up in this storm. And they were flying blindly all different directions and running into each other and running into the house and different things. And he, he was concerned for those geese. So he said, I'm going to have to get out there and do something for these stupid geese. They don't know what they're doing. They're caught in this storm. They're going to kill themselves out there. So he goes outside, puts his coat on, goes outside. And he thinks, I'll open up the barn doors really wide and turn the light on so that they can see the light. And once they see the light, they can fly in there into the barn to the safety and they'll be okay. And so he opens the doors and he starts saying, come on, come on in. And they just keep flying and flying. He flickers the light on and off to get their attention and it doesn't work. Stupid geese, stuck in this storm, lost, going to die out here. I don't know why I care, but I do. He says, I know what I'll do. I'll go on the other side of them and I'll try to herd them into the barn just like a shepherd would with his sheep or, or cattle being driven into where they need to. I'll go do that. So he goes on the other side and he begins to wave his arms and yell, trying to push them in. Go into the barn! Go into the barn! And all that happened was all the geese got more afraid and began to fly faster and, and running into things harder and, and all over the place. And he finally he gets into the barn exhausted and frustrated and he says, these stupid geese, there's no hope for them. There's no hope for him. He said, the only thing that would do it is if I could become a goose like them and I could go to them so that they're not afraid and then I could speak to them and lead them to a place of safety. And immediately it hit him and he said, that's why Jesus had to come. Folks, this Christmas season is not about tinsel and lights. It's about God. It is about God showing us the message of love that he has sent to us in a bundle of a little baby that grew up to be a man that always has been, the one that is and is to come, his son Jesus Christ to die on a cross for our sins. God, because he loved us, made a way. Because we are his, sent his son. Verse 4, so enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. And praise his name. The natural response to the presence of God is praise. The natural reaction to the presence of God is to praise. Think of Moses. After the children of Israel were delivered out of Egypt, they 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 come to uh, they come to the um, they come to the Red Sea and 
and, 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 and Moses who had followed the pillar of a cloud at day and a pillar of fire at night, the presence of God had witnessed this all the way to the Red Sea. And the Red Sea was there and they were hemmed in. And, and so the, 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 the cloud goes behind them and protects them from the Egyptians. And at night, uh, gives the gives Israel light and, and to the Egyptians gives darkness. And so here they were standing at the Red Sea and yet God says, I'm going to deliver you from this enemy. He puts his, his uh, staff over the water. The water separates. They go across on dry ground. And on the other side, what happens? Moses begins to sing. The horse and rider thrown into the sea. I think of King David as they're bringing the ark in as he danced before the ark and was singing before the ark, he was ridiculed and made fun of for what he had done and as suggested that he had, had been inappropriate in his actions. But he was just the presence of God. He couldn't help himself. Couldn't help himself. I think of Mary, pregnant with Jesus, walking into the presence of Elizabeth. And Elizabeth, the very sheer presence of God, causes John the Baptist to leap in her belly. And, and, and Elizabeth begins to prophesy, immediately telling Mary who she was and what she was doing. And right after, Mary begins to do what? She begins to sing. You see, the very reality in the presence of God will cause us to rejoicing and singing. This is key because, why? Because the angels sang. Do you remember the picture I just told you about just a few minutes ago, that picture of heaven where there's thousands upon thousands of angels standing around the throne of God singing worship? For a moment, they turned. You see, the shepherds were in the field watching their flock by night. And we know that an angel appeared to them and began to declare to them, peace and goodwill. Unto you today a Savior is born in the city of David in Bethlehem. And after they gave the message to the shepherds, what happened? The heavenly host appeared. No, it wasn't Oprah. No, it wasn't Ellen. No, it wasn't Bob Barker. A host, meaning a large number of angels, possibly thousands upon thousands, filling the skies, filling the skies around these shepherds. Why is this key? It's key, church, because when we saw that before, it, it was in the throne room. It was in the throne room of God, where He rules, where He reigns, where His throne exists, where He was. Let that sink in for a second. Where He was. And now, He has come to earth. The thing that the angels, the Scripture says, that they would look into and long to see more in this fact, uh, understanding of the plan of redemption, they finally figured it out. Oh, this is it! And His throne is now here. He's coming to take dominion. And folks, we know He did. We know that He went into hell and He took the keys of death and He rose victorious. And He was raised to life he ascended to the Father, sits at the right hand of the Father. He was given the name that's above every name. He's given all power and authority in heaven and on earth. Jesus Christ 
His throne may not be here right now, but it will be. And his kingdom is here and he is ruling and reigning here. And even when he came in a little ba- as a little baby, what will be was as good as done. And the angel stepped into this realm where we're at, where our feet are and spoke to us, to us lowly human beings who have been so consumed with our lives saying, God is here. His throne, his presence, it's here. He's here. Glory to God in the highest and peace and goodwill toward men. Why? Because we enter his gates with thanksgiving. Again, the Message Bible says that thanksgiving is the password that allows us access. Kind of interesting. But we enter his courts, his presence, the place where he rules and reigns with praise. So child of God, Throughout this Christmas season, you say, Pastor, okay, when we come to church, we praise. Take shackles off my feet so I can... No, 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 no. Wherever you're at, wherever the presence of God is, is where you is. Wherever God is inside of you, you are now the temple of the Holy Spirit as a believer. The presence of God is inside of you. Wherever you are, He is, and you walk in that presence. If you're at work and you're making something and you start to feel a little song come up in your soul... They're like, what's up with that guy? It's okay. It's okay to be joyful. It's okay to walk in the presence of God. It's okay to, because you realize that you are walking in His presence every single day. Lastly, verse 5. For the Lord is good and His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. That throne we talked about just a minute ago is a throne that will not go away. It's a throne that's not going to leave. It's, it's, it, listen, God is not a man that He should lie. And if he saved our lives, if he saved our souls, if he became a goose just like all of us other crazy gooses to save us, right? He took on flesh, he became flesh, and he's going to be flesh for all eternity. He's leading us to salvation. He is not going to change his mind at the last moment. Eh, you know, I kind of thought about things a little bit, and, <laughs> you know, I think if I let you all in here, it's, you're just going to mess it up. So... I, I changed my mind. I'm not, God's not going to do that to us. And his throne is eternal, not for a season. And it's for all generations, our sons and our daughters, and for all who are far off. What is all again? What's the percentage of all? 100%. All generations. Everyone. Anybody that's born from little Micah, who's just, what, a little over a month old, month and a week old? Do we have anybody younger than that in here? We don't have any younger ones yet, do we? We're going to have more coming, folks. <laughs> you know, we decided to build a nursery. And you know that old adage that if you build it, they will come? It's true. It's true. We're building a sanctuary next year. I'm... For little Micah, it's the same. The truth is there as the same as it was for my grandparents. As the same as it was for, for uh, Micah the prophet. Same as it was for Paul, 
for the apostles. Folks, listen. The joy that we are supposed to shout and to live with and to sing praise with and the understanding of knowing God and all these things that I've talked about this morning is not a seasonal thing. It's not a seasonal job, okay? It's not going away December 26th. Live in it. Live in the presence of God. Take the momentum of the season right now. Use it to the advantage of, of, of uh, uh, the gospel. I always used to, in youth ministry and working with leaders and things, I always called it judo. So we got to use judo on them. They're like, what? Judo is simply taking the, uh, the momentum of the other person and using it to your advantage. The momentum of our culture right now is, is everybody's strung out on Christmas, man. Use it to your advantage. Invite them to a Christmas program next week where they're going to hear the gospel. Amen? Have them come watch the grandkids. Bring, bring people out to the cantata. And the, listen, man, this, this season gives us a great opportunity, but, but our relationship with Christ and the joy in our spirit and all these things don't go away the 26th. They're here year-round. And when people ask us, let them know why you are the way you are. So in Psalm 100, let's read it again together. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is He who has made us. And we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and praise His name. For the Lord is good and His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations.